Okay, we're going to begin this next story. MG goes twinning to France. It's a story from It's a Rum Life, Northcote, 1984-1998. An invitation to France. It came to pass that as, visitors, as our visitors from France found out that Ruth and I spent each and every holiday in rural France, that we should be invited to visit frenet Suissart on our next excursion. The very next early spring trip found us wending our way through rural France con- French countryside from Calais in our maroon MGBGT tourer. The market town of Esdin, almost on the borders of Normandy, was chosen as a suitable overnight stopping point and a room reserved at the local hotel for our return trip a week or so later. The breakfast at Esdin was truly formidable, with a huge table laid out with everything one could desire, hot and cold, from warm rolls to cold ham, eggs, cereal, prunes, nuts and fruit, and much, much more. Local life in Frenet. We duly arrived in Frenet and went as directed to the mairie, or town hall, to meet the mayor, Monsieur Viel. Those of you not used to the French way of life may not be aware that in France the mayor has total control. He holds the purse strings for every activity in the town, from schools to road repairs. He is also, with the aid of his co-councillors, responsible for all planning permissions and development in the locality. If one needs to do anything, one must first consult the mayor. It was a Saturday morning and the mayor was about to perform one of his more important tasks, conduct a marriage. Weddings in France can take place in church, but they do not have to. What they do have to do is be conducted by the local civil authority, the mayor. Monsieur Viel explained what was about to take place and asked us to join him. He first placed his badge of office, an elegant tricoloured sash, over his shoulder Uh, of his elegant grey suit, and we followed him into the council chamber. We sat at the back behind the mayor and watched as the wedding party entered. The first thing that struck us was that the bridegroom was wearing jeans and a casual shirt, the bride a simple dress and scarf. The guests and family relations were little better, and to our acute embarrassment, Monsieur Viel began to explain that the wedding party were fortunate to have as extra guests the first visitors to the town from their prospective twin town in the UK, Spilsby, in Lincolnshire. We duly stood and greeted all concerned. After the fairly brief ceremony, the wedding party all trooped outside into the town square for various family cameras to be brought into action and record all and sundry. They then departed for their celebratory meal and that was that. Monsieur Viel was careful to point out that this wedding had been an exception. He explained that most wedding groups did make a very special effort with their wedding garments and especially the ladies with their dresses. We spent an eventful week in the town and, and its environs, being conducted and entertained by Serge Latour and his wife, who both worked at the local Moulinex factory. The approach to Frenet from the main Alençon road is by a long straight road typical of France. We travelled this road far more than expected when I consulted the local garage owner regarding the rebalancing of the two front wheels on the MG. MGs are rare in France and this was the first time the garage owner had ever seen one. So when asking him what I owed after he had completed the balancing job, he simply said, 
a ride in the car. The NGB is not particularly fast. It's just that one is so low to the ground it seems fast. We return to the garage to find his friend, the local gendarme, waiting his turn. So once more we zoomed up that long straight road and returned. The MG makes a lovely noise, all part of the fun, and both gentlemen were suitably impressed. The return trip. Ruth was not so impressed when coming to the end of the first day of our return journey to the UK, it began to rain. We were about to enter Rouen, and the ignition light came on. As mechanic type readers will know, this tells you there's something electrically wrong and the battery is no longer being charged. Not wishing to disturb Ruth's frame of mind, I made light of it. We had about another hour to travel to Esdang, and the windscreen wipers were having to work hard. Oh dear, using lots of electricity. But one had to see. The seeing bit became more important when darkness began to fall and had to turn on the lights. The wipers were now getting used intermittently to conserve power. The engine did stop. Will it affect the engine? I was asked, the one question I did not want to hear. It shouldn't do, I replied, knowing full well that that was the big problem. Esdon came nearer and nearer and we did manage to pull into the hotel car park relatively safe and sound. Next morning we had time to spare and the local garage owner was called in to supply a new alternator drive belt as the one I'd bought in the UK especially for the journey was the wrong size. The belt was loose and perhaps that was the problem. An hour further on in the journey and the red light was still shining brightly. Uh, yes, it would affect the engine, I had to admit, as the fuel is pushed to the engine by an electric petrol pump. The engine's spark is also provided by the battery power and if the battery gets too low, one or the other will stop. We'd not proceeded, proceeded more than a mile further and were almost at the top of a hill when the engine cut out. I'd just passed a rose nursery where I'd noticed a lot of cars parked. Perhaps help could be obtained there. We coasted round on the brow of the hill and drifted gradually down to the nursery. I left Ruth in the car and went in search of assistance. In a curious little shed, about five men were grouped around a potbelly stove, trimming bare root rose trees and dipping the tips into hot wax. I explained my predicament. Oh, there'll be no problem, said one straight away. The local garage is brilliant. Look at my ancient Renault. I've just come back from Portugal. And no problem, the local garage look after it. I'll telephone them. A small Renault 4 van arrived within a few minutes, and after the garage man had duly greeted all his clients still seated round the fire, we got down to business. Ruth had been invited in to wait as well, and had been given the seat nearest the glowing stove. We explained that the fault was the alternator, and we had now no battery power. We had to catch a ferry from Calais that day. We were towed back to the garage, the, dry, the garage owner's son designated to take my place in the driving seat in the MG, of course. Well, I've nothing like that alternator, he declared, after giving it a good look. But what I can do is boost your battery for half an hour, and with luck, that should get you to Calais. He did, and it did, just. His charge for the tow, and the care, and the coffee, and the windscreen clean was £4. 
We've always been most impressed with the kindness of French garage people and their lack of greed in charging foreign motorists in distress. We arrived at Calais uh, in time to see the boat we should have been on just clearing the harbour. Don't worry, we were told, there'll be another along in a minute. To Dover at last. During our wait, the battery had become well and truly flat once again. We were very kindly pushed onto the ferry and told to stay at the back so not to obstruct other vehicles that could go on ahead. On arriving in the UK, a push start from the ferry staff, after the deck had been cleared of all of the vehicles, got us going again. But for how long? We soon found out. Passport control was cleared and we rounded the corner to enter customs and the motor stopped dead once more. The customs officials were very surprised to see a client on foot <laughs> and rather annoyed as, not, as I was not supposed to be there, except in a vehicle. I explained about the vehicle and the senior officer, a lady with lots of stripes on her uniform, duly appointed one of her cohorts to accompany me into the main customs hall to use the telephone and summon an aid. I was closely supervised during the whole of this adventure, as it was explained that I was not yet officially in the UK, but in no man's land. Back at the car, Ruth had been looked after once again and was warming herself around the stove in the custom officer's staff room. An auto-electrical firm from Dover were obviously used to these kind of antics and arrived very quickly. It took the engineer ten minutes to replace the alternator, for which he charged £40. A very fair price. You can go straight away, he said. The new alternator will have the battery charged in a matter of minutes. And it did. There we are, that's the end of that little story. Brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. Lots more stories to read on keithsandersthesshortstoryman.wordpress.com Lots more free audio stories on this Buzzsprout site. There are lots of videos to watch on Keith Sanders The Short Story Man on YouTube, including horse videos. And there's a shop. All the stories you listen to or read are compiled into books. There are three at the moment. Uh, they're easy to download. And they're not expensive. Have a look at the site. It's richardkeithsanders.sells.com. Thank you for listening.